Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Beautio Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautiobooks.com. And proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club, a Rhode Island-based club of passionate birders like you. Become a member and check out the fall edition of our newsletter. Find us on Facebook and at oceanstatebirdclub.org. Good morning and welcome to our show number 814. On last week's show, we welcomed a guest from Alabama Audubon. And this week, we're making another Alabama connection. Thanks to our Freya McGregor, who has discovered a bird that she likes a lot. Here's the audio postcard she sent us from down there on the Gulf Coast. Hey, everyone. It's Freya McGregor here. Can you hear that squeaky toy sound? There's a bunch of other birds calling as well, but there's a particular squeaky toy sound, and it's a brown-headed nuthatch or two. I'm on the Gator Lake Trail at Bon Secours National Wildlife Refuge, which is on the Gulf Coast of Alabama, and brown-headed nuthatches are really little. They're smaller than white-breasted nuthatches, uh, and they're found in longleaf pines. There's two of them calling back and forth to each other. And they have a little brown cap and they behave a lot like white-breasted nuthatches. They hop up and down tree trunks, you know, head first and looking cute. But these guys are extra cute and it's not just because they're small. That little squeaky toy sound is the cutest thing I think I've ever heard. <laughs> All right. Happy New Year, y'all. Bye. <laughs> Our Freya McGregor down there in Alabama. Thank you, Freya, and thank you, Sita Pusilla, the brown-headed nuthatch. Meanwhile, new friend Robert Ross from Byfield, Massachusetts, has written a really cool short essay that he calls Frozen with Fear, about a welcome backyard visitor, a northern cardinal, and a not-so-welcome visitor, which you'll learn about in his listener story. You can find it, along with an excellent photo by Robert of that sort of unwelcome visitor under the read tab at talkingbirds.com definitely worth checking out and that's not the only new thing you'll find this week under that read tab at talkingbirds.com you'll also find a new installment of debbie's blog written by our own debbie bleacher and this one is about ravens we know that ravens are extremely intelligent birds and now we're learning from new research they may be even smarter than we thought Debbie's blog explains uh, all about that under the read button there, the read tab at the top of the page at TalkingBirds.com. That would be our mystery bird. It's a preview of our mystery bird contest coming along in a bit. Not a bird you're likely really to hear um, very often, if ever, but uh, it's part of our contest here. We, we must play the sound of the bird. It's part of the mystery bird contest, and our bird is about a foot long from bill tip to tail tip. It has a small head and a thin, short bill and a moderately long neck. 
In summer plumage, it has a reddish neck, black cheek, and a yellow tuft behind its red eye. In winter, the colors fade to black and light gray with a very large white cheek patch. Our bird breeds on freshwater lakes and ponds in Alaska and Canada and in the Dakotas and Washington State. It dives for fish and crustaceans and gleans insects from the water's surface. It winters in fresh or salt water along the U.S. Pacific and Atlantic coasts and west to Texas. Our mystery bird and a little preview there. Later on, we'll be talking with Mike O'Connor about suet, and just in honor of that, we'll be giving away on our mystery bird contest a Droll Yankees double suet feeder. Great for bluebirds, catbirds, chickadees, nuthatches, orioles, mockingbirds, tanagers, and many more. And, yes, it includes the Droll Yankees lifetime warranty against squirrel damage. All that coming up there on our mystery bird contest. Extra, extra, read all about it. Here are some of the stories and videos right now on our TalkingBirds.com website and our Facebook page. If you're a fan of bird nest webcams, where you can watch the progress of an active nest, we have you covered again this week with a connection to a live bald eagle cam. Wearing a mask is very important these days, but so is the proper disposal of single-use masks, and that is becoming a big problem. Hundreds of millions of them have already made their way into our oceans. We have a link to the story about it and what's being done to figure out what to do about it on our website and Facebook page. And have you heard of Turn the Page? That's T-E-R-N. It's a book club for bird enthusiasts around the world organized by the instructors at National Audubon's Hog Island Camp up in Maine. And those are some of the stories on our TalkingBirds.com website and on our Facebook page uh, right now. That's our royal salute to more Talking Birds ambassadors who are doing great help to us in our efforts to get the word out about birds and conservation by handing out some of the cards that we send to them. And we say thank you to Gregory P. from New York. New York. I think he's right there in Manhattan. Thank you so much, Gregory. Thank you to Carly B., that's right, Carly B. B is the initial for her last name. She's in Wellfleet, Massachusetts, on beautiful Cape Cod. Thank you very much, Carly. And thank you to Ann P., who likes to be called Granny Annie. She's from East Aurora, New York. She says she found our podcast on NPR kind of by accident, and she says, like a good Northeasterner, I'm spending the winter in Florida. I'm spreading the word of your show to my birding friends in Florida as well as Western New York. Thank you so much, Anne. Talking Birds listeners, will you help us get a good start on the new year by becoming a Talking Birds ambassador? It's really easy to do. Just go to our website, talkingbirds.com. That's the one. And uh, look for Get Involved at the top of the homepage. Still to come on our show today, we'll catch up with Mike O'Connor in our Let's Ask Mike live segment about how to do it when it comes to suet. And up next, a bird that Ambassador Ann, uh, Granny Annie, might be seeing if she's in South Florida, is today's featured feathered friend. Presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. 
It's a great time to be in Southern Florida, but our featured feathered friend, the black whiskered vireo, won't likely be there until March as it makes its way north from wintering grounds in the Caribbean and northern South America. The black whiskered vireo looks very similar to the more widespread red-eyed vireo, but it has a slightly larger bill than the red-eye, along with a thin black drooping mustache and bright yellow undertail coverts, along with duller head markings and a duller red eye than its well-named relative. South Florida marks the northernmost extent of the black-whiskered vireo's breeding range, where it's found in coastal mangrove swamps and inland stands of hardwood trees. Its decreasing Florida population is thought to be caused, at least in part, by brown-headed cowbird nest parasitism. The black-whiskered vireo's largest breeding grounds are in the Bahamas and other Caribbean islands. During spring migration, it occurs regularly on the dry tortugas between the Florida Keys and Cuba. The black-whiskered vireo is also similar to the red-eye in its song. Although the black-whiskered's phrases are doubled or tripled, Caribbean natives have given the bird nicknames like John Philip or Whip Tom Kelly based on its short, energetic song phrases like this. Those of us up here in the frigid north don't need another excuse to head to Florida in March, but the chance to greet the early spring arrival of the black-whiskered vireo does give us another solid reason to consider making the trip. It's Vireo altiloquus, the black-whiskered vireo. Today's Talkin' Birds featured feathered friend. Welcome again to our show number 814. Uh, we've mentioned it a numerous times here, so please love one more time about our website, TalkinBirds.com. Well, Dr. Tammy Silva is a scientist with Stellwagen Bank National Marine Sanctuary, one of whose projects focuses on the life history, movement patterns, and foraging behavior of seabirds known as Great Shearwaters. Peter Hong is a Stellwagen research team member and they're both here with me in the studio here this morning. Good morning, Tammy and Peter. Good morning. Good morning. Great to have you with us live in the studio. And Tammy, I just read that in 2016, the Stellwagen Bank National Marine Sanctuary was voted best place to see aquatic life in the U.S., edging out Monterey Bay in California. So I guess that would provide a partial explanation maybe for why you want to do research there. But tell us more about the Stellwagen Sanctuary and where it is. So Stellwagen Bank National Marine Sanctuary is located in Massachusetts Bay. It's about 20 miles from Boston or where we are right now in Marshfield. It's about maybe about 11 to 12 miles or mm -hmm. something like that. Um, and it centers around Stellwagen Bank, which is this underwater plateau that makes the area really productive. So mm -hmm. There's over 500 species that have been documented in the sanctuary. It's really biodiverse. It's an awesome place to be. One of the best places in the world to whale watch. Mm -hmm. And whale watching also provides a great opportunity to see seabirds. Over 30 species of seabirds can be found in the sanctuary. Uh -huh. So why great shearwaters as a study focus? So we are interested in shearwaters and seabirds um, in particular because they can be really good ecosystem indicators. So that mm -hmm. means that they can tell us something about the health of our ecosystem or our local environment. Because seabirds are so 
mobile, they can respond to changes in the environment really quickly. So a good example mm -hmm. of that is food supply. So if there's not enough food around, a seabird can pick up, fly somewhere else and be in an area that does have mm -hmm. lots of good food pretty mm -hmm. quickly. So when we see seabirds, that tends to tell us they're in a good spot that's a productive, healthy ecosystem where they are. And one of the ways you, you do this testing is, is a, with kind of a, a breathalyzer test, uh, yeah, Peter. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so. Not looking for uh, necessarily uh, imbibing uh, alcoholic yeah. beverages, but <laughs> no. whatever else they're imbibing, right? Exactly. So yeah. instead of looking at like what alcohol they've been consuming, <laughs> well, we're trying to see what, what their diet has been um, over the past few hours to a day. Uh, and I'm sad that I couldn't bring it in <laughs> this morning to, to show you, but what it basically is, is, is it's a mask that fits over the yeah. bill of the bird, and the bird will breathe in and out into um, into the mask, which mm -hmm. is attached to a balloon on the other side, and then will close flow to the balloon after a few breaths, and then analyze what's in the balloon. Mm -hmm. yeah. This is a real thing, folks. It's we're a real not, thing. We're not <laughs> making this up, even though he doesn't really have it here, but we do, <laughs> we, we do have a, a great Shearwater decoy in the yep. studio, which we also can't show because uh, we're on the radio here. But we'll put that on our Facebook page so people can see that. So you put these decoys out, and this gets them to come to your boat where otherwise they might not, right? Yeah, they're, they're often pretty skittish. But actually, um, one of the reasons why we chose great Shearwaters uh, to sample is out of the four Shearwater species that are in our sanctuary, they're actually one of the least skittish. Um, uh -huh. So they're easier to catch. Okay, uh, easier to catch. But right. still, but still give us problems, which is why we have the decoy right here, uh -huh. and we'll send that out. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Easy, but not that not that easy. Easy, not that easy. Uh, okay. <laughs> so you've been doing this sampling and tagging since 2012, I believe. What are the 13? 2013. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what are the main things that you've learned at this point? Mm -hmm. So from tagging these birds, we've learned a little bit about where they like to go, and we think we're starting to get a handle on why. So mm -hmm. out of the 61 birds we've tagged since 2013, we know they use the entire Gulf of Maine as their home range. They'll go up to the Bay of Fundy, they'll head out to Georgia's Bank uh, while they're in the Gulf of Maine. But we see that they tend to spend most of their time in shallow, sandy habitats. And we think they're targeting a small forage fish called sand lance, mm -hmm. which is actually probably the key forage fish in our sanctuary. Same, uh, same fish that Puffin, Atlantic puffins exactly. feed on. Mm -hmm. so, but I know the waters have gotten a little colder, I think, in the last couple of years. We've had that trend of them getting warmer, and puffins have had a problem because they couldn't get these small fish to feed their chicks. Is that a problem with the shearwaters or, or not so much? Well, the Gulf of Maine is warming mm -hmm. faster than 99% of the world's oceans, mm -hmm. and so it's exactly why we're studying these animals to see how they'll respond to mm -hmm. changes in food supply and changes in the climate. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of learning, you enlist students and teachers from area schools uh, to assist in the tagging of birds. I'm guessing it's not that hard to get the kids to do this, easier than getting the shearwaters in, probably. Um, not in actually the, the, the actual tagging of the birds. That's, okay. a little, that's a little bit more involved, but we yeah. are definitely involved um, with sharing our data with with. Um, schools and okay. educators and students um, to get people excited about what we do, get excited about birds and the ocean. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, we mentioned whale watching earlier, as a Stellwagen Bank being a, a great place for that. And I know that these whales, or the humpbacks anyway, get named in many cases from their tail patterns and so forth. But you're sort of doing the same thing with great shearwaters. We got some local names here Monomoy. <laughs> Nauset, and then Cape Cod Lighthouse <laughs> Charter School. There's got to be an, a, 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 a diminutive of some sort for that. Is that 
So did you call him that whole we, full we call name? CC Lighthouse. CC Lighthouse. Yeah. CC Lighthouse. Okay. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Dr. Tammy Silva, Peter Hong are here with us, with us in the studio from the Stellwagen Bank National Marine Sanctuary. And uh, really short on time, but uh, tell us, uh, Tammy, how folks can best follow your work and learn more about the sanctuary. You can visit our website, which is stellwagon.noaa.gov. I think that'll be on the track and bird, uh, talk and birds page, so you can yep. get that. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at Track Seabirds. And just one other opportunity that Talking Birds listeners might be interested in, we have a Stellwagen Sanctuary Seabird Stewards S4 volunteer program. So if you're an hmm. expert-level birder and want to help us with our surveys, get in contact with us. Okay. And the best way to do that, again, to contact you? You can email Peter or I or our volunteer coordinator, Anne-Marie Runfola. We're all on the website, all of our emails. All right. Dr. Tammy Silva is a scientist with the Stellwagen Bank National Marine Sanctuary. And Peter Hong is a Stellwagen Research Team member. Thank you so much, Tammy and Peter, and keep up the great work. Thanks for having Thanks, us. Thanks, Ray. And I'm going to try giving this website again, too. We'll also put it on our Facebook page along with pictures of the uh, of our decoy uh, shearwater. And then maybe, I don't know, Peter, maybe you can send us a picture with the, the oh, breathalyzer yeah, yeah. thing. We've got plenty of pictures. We'll, all right. Yeah. We'll, put, we'll put one of those. Not with it on you, but on one <laughs> on sure one you of want the, me to take the best <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> after, we, after we go off the air, you can, you can do that. Stellwagon.noah.gov. Coming up next, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather. The flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a once-in-a-lifetime trip to cross a few species off your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you want to learn more, or if you need help choosing your next optic, give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. Our mystery bird contest is underway. <laughs> it's the sound of our mystery bird. Not a bird that we would likely hear very often or at all, but might get of an idea, a little clue, maybe, of the identity of this bird. But we have more clues here. Our aquatic mystery bird is about a foot long from bill tip to tail tip. It has a small head and a thin, short bill and a moderately long neck. In summer plumage, it has a reddish neck, black cheek, and a yellow tuft behind its red eye. In winter, the colors fade into black and light gray with a very large white cheek patch. Our mystery bird, which breeds on freshwater lakes and ponds in Alaska and Canada and in the Dakotas and Washington State, dives for fish and crustaceans and gleans insects. From the water's surface, it winters in fresh or salt water along the U.S. Pacific and Atlantic coasts and west to Texas. That's our mystery bird, and we have the beautiful Droll Yankees double suet feeder as a prize today that holds two popular size suet cakes or raw suet or fruit. Great for all kinds of birds and includes the Droll Yankees lifetime warranty against squirrel damage. 
prize there. Clues in the sound of our mystery bird and a number to call. And we urge you, as always, to call as soon as possible because we do have a tendency to run out of time around here. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. That's 781-837-4900. A not exactly correct guess could still render you the winner. And we'll talk about rendered suet and other kinds coming up with Mike O'Connor. Let's ask Mike live in just one minute. It's time again already for New Year's resolutions. Have you resolved to improve your birding skills? Maybe dive deeper into ornithology study? With one of the largest selections of birding books in the world, Beautio Books offers everything from backyard birding books to general ornithology, from field guides to photography skills, biography, fiction, and humor. You'll find it all and a whole lot more in one convenient place, beautyobooks.com. That's B-U-T-E-O, beautyobooks.com. My name is Nick Hernandez, and I'm calling from Boise, Idaho. I became a Talking Birds ambassador because I love the show's incorporation of conservation and how small changes can make a big environmental impact. If you are interested in spreading the word about conservation, I encourage everybody to become a Talking Birds ambassador now. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our ambassadors family. Just visit our website, TalkingBirds.com. Join today, and thanks. Mr. Mike O'Connor is with us from beautiful Cape Cod and the beautiful um, Bird Watchers General Store there in Orleans. Uh, good morning, Mike. Beautiful Bird Watchers yeah. General Store. I, yeah, I don't know if anybody's ever described it that no, way before. No <laughs> yeah, and they probably never will. But uh, no, that's the first. It's good a morning, fir- yeah, It no. is beautiful, though. It is a beautiful. It is. A beautiful oh, thank you. Store, and and yeah. you know, I love Freya's. Uh, uh, audio postcard because I love the brown-headed nuthatches. I spent some time in the Carolinas, and it's a bird that just makes me burst out laughing every time I hear it. It's just like a, it does sound like a kid's toy, a little yeah. squeak toy. It's, yeah, yeah. It's a very entertaining thing. Well, you've had a, a pretty uh, interesting sighting uh, yourself just recently there in the Cape, the Townsend Solitaire, right? Townsend Solitaire, yeah. just by my house. It's wow. just about a yard or two over, so I can't call it a yard bird, but I'm trying to get it over there. Townsend <laughs> Solitaire is a western bird, lives in the mountains out west, kind of like a mountain bluebird. Doesn't have blue, though. It's, it's, it's actually more... It's the thrush, like the mountain bluebird, and uh, it's kind of a plain bird with a white eye ring and some uh, kind of uh, buffy wing patches when it flies, but it doesn't show up this way very often. I think this is the first time in like 23 years or something one's been seen here in Orleans, so it's... Uh, it's a very exciting, and usually I find other people's birds. You know, I go someplace and I go, oh, yeah, there's the owl that everybody's looking for. But <laughs> this time I saw it myself yeah, without good. anybody's help. So wow. I'm, I'm proud of myself. Yeah, you should be. Good for you. Townsend <laughs> Solitaire. Our friends at Cornell Lab say it's the only solitaire native to America north of Mexico. I guess that's right. why they call it a solitaire. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And it's very good at cards. It's play the cards. <laughs> but we're supposed to be talking about suet. And uh, the and the options and and how to do it uh, with suet. Uh, yeah, suet. Well, see, you know, in the winter time, we uh, a lot of the birds lose their insects, and so we, you know we put out seeds for birds. And suet's a, an, another alternative. Of course, woodpeckers like suet. That's what everybody else gets. But also, suet's important. Sometimes wintering warblers, orange crown or uh, yellow rump of pine warblers in our area, but wrens. Especially Carolina wrens around here will go for suet. Um, and bluebirds, we mentioned everybody, at least in our area, is like, how do I get bluebirds? Well, suet is 
is what they go for in, at our houses, at our feeders. So if you put out suet, you know, in this bluebird's round, it won't make it magically appear. But if they find it, they'll go for suet. And suet comes... In the winter, you can use a grocery store suet like we all used to buy, that kind of raw suet in the meat section. You can put that out, and in 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 we used to put them in onion bags, and now there's these little cages. And that's fine, and the birds like that a lot, and it's the least expensive. The trouble is it, um, it, it'll spoil when it gets warm, so it's kind of a winter food. And when things get warmer, you can't use that. But they do make uh, suet in those blocks. Which is still fairly inexpensive. There's these little, like less than a pound, about 12 ounce little squares you put in the suet holders, and they put grains in those to keep them from melting. So most of those you can use year round, and they're fairly inexpensive. And they try to market them with all kinds of. They put berries in them, and they put pieces of apple and orange and cherry and mealworms, and they, you know, there's a million flavors, and we have those million flavors. <laughs> but my customers find zero difference, you know. When they, so when they ask what I, because we're just doing curb service, so they say, "Give me a dozen suets," and I'll say, "What kind would you want?" They said, "Just assort them," because it doesn't seem to make any difference to the birds. So yeah. my advice is just to get which, what's on sale and what's which, which um, whatever's out there. It's not that big a deal. The suet. The trouble is with when they put the grains in the suet, mm-hmm. they attract uh, our old pals of squirrels. Uh, Squirrels aren't really necessarily big fans of pure suet, but they like the grains that are in there. So that's the downside. So they do have squirrel-proof suet feeders, but those get a little expensive. But the the real culprit with suet, whatever kind you use, raw, pure, anything, are raccoons. uh, Raccoons don't care. They'll they'll take it. (laughs) And the, the indication that you have a raccoon situation is... Not only is the suet gone, but the suet feeder is gone. Oh, yeah, just, the whole thing, yeah. Everything's gone. Wow. So right. if it's, you know, my advice for that, take them in at night when the raccoons are out working. All right, and stop blaming the squirrels one. for everything. <laughs> they get the bad rap. Next time, uh, Mike, I'll tell you about my two friends, Randy and Sid. They started a suet company. They call it the Rancid suet company but that didn't work out too well yeah yeah they gotta work on that name right they gotta work on that all right we'll talk to you next week all right mike o'connor there at the bird watchers general store orleans cape cod back to the mystery bird contest right after this in the january february issue of bird watching magazine read about new discoveries scientists have made tracking birds a photographer's reflections on a special birding site in new york city david sibley's tips for finding exciting water birds in winter and much more on newsstands now. To the mystery bird contest. That's our bird. An aquatic mystery bird. About a foot long from bill tip to tail tip. Small head and thin short bill and a moderately long neck. Those are uh, some of the uh, descriptive phrases about our bird here. And Carolyn is somewhere in California. Uh, to uh, she, yeah. good, <laughs> Hi. Hi, Ray. Hi. Good morning. Good morning, Carolyn. We're in California. Would you like to keep it a secret? No, no. Eastern Sierra. Eastern Sierra. Bishop. Yeah. And Bishop. Bishop. Okay. No. Bishop, yeah. California. Okay. Well, uh, the California coast is a place that this bird is uh, seen in the wintertime. Yep. Maybe you get a, I, a look. And I, I hope so. I have a feeling you know what this bird is, and I don't know why. Oh, Maybe get it. Because you were sort of <laughs> laughing already when we uh, introduced you there. But uh, what is this uh, mystery bird, Carolyn? Pretty exciting. Um, the horned grebe. The horned grebe is exactly right. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> the horned grebe. Beautifully, uh, beautifully done. 
This is a bird. I don't know if you've heard about this, uh, Carolyn. This is a, a kind of a weird thing that the horned grebe regularly eats some of its own feathers, uh, enough so that its stomach usually contains a matted plug of them uh, that could be a, used oh. as a filter, they say, or maybe hold fish bones in the stomach until they can oh. be digested. And the parents wow. even the parents feed feathers to their chicks to get the plug started early. How about that? Wow! Wow! Yeah, we are we are way ahead of everybody in horn grebe trivia around here. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Carolyn, thank you so much. Uh, stay on the line, thank and you. Jesse will arrange to send you that beautiful droll Yankees feeder. Oh, thanks so much, Ray. <laughs> thank you, Carolyn. Carolyn out there in Eastern Sierra, I think is the description. Bishop, California, correctly identifying the horned grebe as our mystery bird. We are just about out of time today. That means we're going to get started working on our next show. And soon we're going to have some guests, thanks to Zoom, from some faraway places like the UK and Beijing, China. Coming along soon here on Talking Birds. Meanwhile, thanks to our amazing Talking Birds team, Debbie Bleacher, Freya McGregor, our assistant, Audrey Stack, and our producing engineer, Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Beautio Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautiobooks.com. And proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club, a Rhode Island-based club of passionate birders like you. Become a member and check out the fall edition of our newsletter. Find us on Facebook and at oceanstatebirdclub.org.